Well, good morning and welcome to Crossroads today. So good to see everyone here. And uh, we do want to welcome you today and uh, give you a couple of quick announcements as we begin our service today. Uh, number one uh, is as you walked in, you probably noticed those colored wristbands. Uh, those are for everybody, all right? So uh, if you are good with, uh, comfortable with hugging or handshaking and all that, you grab a, a green one. If, uh, if you're good with a fist bump or a little distance, grab the yellow one. If uh, you want to kind of keep a little bit more distance, just grab the red one. That just helps everybody know. Um, and uh, so just something we're trying to do to help everybody else out there. Uh, we do uh, also want to remind you about our July 4th fireworks this coming Saturday evening uh, on the ball field. It's going to start uh, 9-ish uh, as soon as it gets a little bit dark. So uh, but 9 p.m. Uh, right out here. So invite some friends to come. I know uh, the big city's fireworks has been canceled. So, uh, so invite others uh, to come out and uh, enjoy some fellowship and fireworks uh, there. Uh, Common Pops uh, will be here. Uh, so if you want a little popsicle to uh, munch on uh, beforehand, you can uh, grab one of those as well. Uh, remember also that today from uh, 4 to 5.30, we will have a drop-in for Mr. Dave Morris and Miss Sue as uh, Dave is retiring again. Uh, the second time. Uh, and so uh, he's done such a great job here the last uh, many, many years and uh, keeping our facilities uh, clean and up to date and uh, keeping the buses gassed and oil changed and everything else in between. So uh, we want to recognize them uh, for their faithfulness. And so uh, if you want to come by, just drop in. Uh, between 4 and 5.30, that would be awesome. So uh, we're going to have a VBS video. We had our virtual VBS this week, and it was a great time uh, with the students. So we've got a video, and right after the video, uh, Zach, one of our summer interns, is going to come up and share his testimony. So let's pray, and we'll go to the video. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this time to come together to worship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we pray that above all things today, that Christ be glorified and magnified in this service. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, all. How are you? Um, first of all, I want to say thank you all so, so much. I've never been like so well-done and so well-fed in my life, probably. It's been so refreshing and so wonderful, and we really appreciate you so much. But I'm going to give a small piece of my testimony this morning. Um, it is a mission story, and I've done missions um, for a couple of years now, and I'm so thankful for those opportunities. But um, usually on the mission field, our summer staff and our, and our mission guests are called to um, pour into ministries, do home visits, do construction, um, do some prayer walks, do painting, different kinds of things. But one day, we were called by our team leader and asked to, to go get some water for this lady. And we were kind of like struck by that, to get some water. And we went to her house, we walked up the hill from our compound where it was, and this lady had, her arm had been infected, and she had seven little kids under the age of ten she had to provide for. Her husband and her were both unemployed, and they had to get water that day for their laundry, for their cooking, for their crops, and she just needed a lot of help. So we were told by the translators, the kids know the way, and you can follow them. So our mission team and these seven little kids 
We're grabbing water buckets and pails and little dishes from across the whole neighborhood to get water for that week. And we started going down behind the kids on this little goat path over a ridge. We walked about two miles, probably, down this little goat ridge into a creek bed that was fully dry. And at the center of the creek bed was an impression in the ground about the size of a dinner plate. And there was a puddle in the bottom. And the kids would scoop their their um, bowls or their plates or their Tupperwares in that little puddle and pull out the water. And it would um, kind of take it all up and then slowly it would refill in the hole and it was a spring they had found. We were just so almost guilty, you know, because you kind of have to be. We take so much for granted here. But so in awe, those kids should have been in school. They could could have been doing so many other different things, but they were just... They were content and they were happy to be there helping their mom. And we were helping them to um, filling up buckets of water to take back up the mountain to their parents' um, home. And once we had delivered the, the water gallons up to her house, um, we asked the mom, how can we pray for you today? And she said, well, I'm just doing so, so good. I'm so thankful for all that I have. But when you pray for me, lift up my family because we're just so blessed. And I looked around, and it was, it was hard, you know. They were living in a shack with um, dead palm trees as the foundation. Their roof was um, dead leaves and mud. They had one bed to share as a family, and all they had to their name was a little boombox for the, for the radio and some beans from their dad's garden. And just to look about... How happy they were with so little. It was kind of like moving in me. And the whole week I was there serving, I kind of asked, how are they, like, that's crazy to me. You know, I was just kind of questioning um, that for a while. So at the end of the week, I went to the local church to serve. And we got to see, got to see a local service. And um, I actually got to sit by the lady that I had brought the water to at church that Sunday and she was so happy to see us, and she um, sat by us, and she began to worship with us. And I just couldn't help but listen to her worship to the same beat in her language as we sing with her in, in ours. And she would sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. And then she would sing, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And then she would sing, I'm laying down my sorrows, I'm laying down my pain, and I'm trading them in for the joy of the Lord. In each song that she sang, she would just lift up, up her hands with full purpose and full surrendance, and it was so beautiful to see that she had found everything that she had ever, ever needed. She'd mastered something that I still haven't, but I prayed to one day. She had mastered casting all of her cares, all of her worries, all of her regrets, all of her hardships at the Lord. When we cast those things down to him, all we have left on our plate is our blessings. We have our praise. We have time to rejoice and time to love and time to fellowship. And that's all that the Lord wants from us. And it's so much sweeter when we walk with him in that way. And during the pandemic, I'm sure they're also affected, and I think about them often. But I'm sure they're rejoicing. Because I've learned so much that week from that lady, being so thankful and just giving everything over to God. And I'm so thankful I was able to be there that week on that mission trip. 
I think it's so cool when we're called to missions or our church or even our children are called to missions because we go to move hearts and change hearts, but really ours are moved and ours are changed in the return. So that's all that I have. Thank you all so much. We're so thankful that we have these that are serving with our church uh, this week, and we hope as they are enjoying the time, as Zach just said, we hope that they're being enriched and they see the love of God that's right here and they sense the love of God and then they are better because of the time they spent with us. We're in a couple of weeks are going to have an opportunity to do some local missions. So you just keep in mind about that and we'll be making more announcements next week possibly or even the next week but in two or three weeks I think it's the week of the 13th of July uh, we're going to be doing some local missions and we have some things lined up to do and we'll have some things posted for people to get together and do those things so it's exciting doing the work of Christ you know it's exciting and so uh, at this time You know, with all these going on and uh, everything going on in the world, I tell you what, uh, God is on the throne. I just want you to know that. And one day, our God is going to say, son, I want you to go get my children out of that world down there. So who knows when that'll be, but we're going to stand and sing soon and very soon. And we're going to sing the king is coming. And then what a day that'll be when our Jesus we shall see. Y'all sing out these songs today.
As we heard from Zach today, and we'll be hearing from some others during the course of our worship in the next several weeks, today we have a young lady that's serving with us, Misha Mercius. I said her name is like poetry. Misha Mercius. Love that name. That's beautiful. And uh, she's going to come and sing. Misha is from Florida. She is attending Southern Wesleyan University. And she is serving here and uh, as a missionary in, in our church for, I think, one more good week. She'll be with us next Sunday. And then she's going to go to some other great endeavors. So I want you to say that you'll pray for all these kids. You know, as we've enriched our own children, everybody that comes through our doors, we should enrich them. And they should leave knowing that they've been in the presence of Christ because of what we do and what we say and how we act. My goodness gracious, we affect more people than we really realize. Misha, come and sing for us. We're looking forward. shattered you see hope I see broken you see beautiful and you're helping me to Nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You washed me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. Washed me in mercy, I am clean. What was dead now lives again, and my heart's Beating inside of my chest And oh, I'm coming alive With joy and destiny You're restoring me Piece by piece There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy you washed me in mercy I am clean there's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy you washed me in mercy 
Washed in the blood of your sacrifice Your blood flowed red and it made me white And my dirty rags are purified I am clean Washed in the blood of your sacrifice Your blood flowed red and it made me white and my dirty rags are purified I'm clean Washed in the blood of your sacrifice Your blood flowed red and it made me white And my dirty rags are purified I am clean, I am clean, oh, oh, oh. pray together. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes us worthy and makes us clean. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone uh, here today that has never experienced that, that blood that covers all sin, God, that today might be the day that they would surrender their lives to you and be clean. Thank you for what you're doing in our church family. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, take control of this service, Lord, has been our prayer uh, all day today, all morning. And we thank you for doing that. Speak to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, thank you, Misha, for that beautiful song. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark 13. Mark chapter 13. While you're turning there, let me say a, also a great big thank you to uh, Kayla and our VBS team. In her honor and in the kids' honor, I'm VBS'd. VBS'd it. This morning, wearing, the, wearing our, our outfit focus, uh, she did a fantastic job and all the workers did a fantastic job to pull off Bible school virtually uh, was quite a feat. And uh, so please make sure you say thank you to Kayla today and any of those that helped. We had a lot of volunteers that helped teach and do Zoom and help outside on Friday with uh, some games and just... Uh, the work of the Lord doesn't stop because of a virus or pandemic. God is still at work. And so I'm so thankful for our church family. Thank you to Zach, too. And he mentioned missions the week of July the 13th. As Joey said, we're going to be doing some local missions. So get ready. We'll be safe and we'll handle all of the regulations and things that we've been given. But we're going to continue to do the things God has called us to do. Uh, it's so great to see some of our... Our uh, young at heart folks in the back row back there, Miss Lottie and Miss Jewel, just worshiping during that music. Uh, bless my heart already. So thank you. And uh, for our young families with kids that are watching on our live stream, we're praying that all of us together as a church family will be able to worship together again real soon. 
And so I hope that that is your prayer as well. One more quick announcement before we jump into our, our uh, text for this morning. Uh, most of you are aware, uh, one of our precious folks, Miss Celia uh, Ford, went to be with the Lord this weekend. And uh, her funeral will be this afternoon at 2 o'clock in the sanctuary. And we will do our best as well to continue to practice, uh, I hate this word, social distancing. But we'll do our best to do that, and if you want to come uh, honor her for as we celebrate her life, that'll be this afternoon at 2 o'clock, okay? So just uh, be sure to keep that in mind as well as the drop-in for Dave later this afternoon. It's going to be a busy Sunday, but that's good. That's good. All you were going to do is take a nap anyway, right? Just go to bed early tonight, and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Mark chapter 13. Several of you uh, have asked me over the last six to eight weeks about this virus, uh, and have asked, is this the sign of the end times? Uh, is this the sign that Jesus is coming back? Did God send this virus to punish us? Those are some, some great questions. I have my own thoughts about that, but really my thoughts are irrelevant. It's really what God's Word has to say about it. And uh, so we're going to look at Mark chapter 13 that will hopefully help us a little bit, maybe come up with some answers on all this pandemonium and pandemics and viruses and the violence and all the stuff that we see in the world. What, is this, what does this mean? What is this trying to say to us? Mark chapter 13. And as you guys know by now, I'll probably stop along the way as we read some of these verses and just point out a couple of things uh, to us. Verse number 1. As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Well, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. They're there at the temple. They're with Jesus, God's Son, who they've seen do all these miracles. And instead of engaging with him and being fascinated with what Jesus has to say and what Jesus is getting ready to teach... These disciples are acting like tourists. Oh, look at this beautiful building. Look at the stones, Jesus. Look at this. Look at this. Now, let's just remind ourselves about the temple because the temple was a pretty phenomenal feat. I mean, biblical scholars and even writings outside the Bible tell us historically what the temple was. It was built by Ezra and Zerubbabel. But it was improved later by Herod. The temple was kind of the center of Jewish life. It's where everybody gathered in five forks. I guess it would kind of be like the Arby's. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Better than that. Better than that. But it was a center of attention for that particular uh, area and group of people. That's where all of life happened was right there at the temple. And people were so uh, just enthralled by the temple, they would even swear by the temple. If they made a promise to somebody and somebody questioned, are you really going to do that? I swear. I swear by the temple. I mean, the temple was a big deal. And rightly so, because uh, biblical scholars, archaeologists, historians tell us that it was probably five football fields long. Get that image in your mind, and almost that wide. So this is a huge area, as great as our church is, and I love our church building, and I'm thankful for it. We pale in comparison to what the temple looked like. I mean, this was huge. Scholars also tell us that it was covered in plated gold. These gold sheets that would cover the temple, that if you were traveling from afar and you were walking to the temple, you... you 
You almost needed sunglasses because if the sun was out shining on it, it would blind you. And not only made out of these gold plates, but also was made out of white marble. And scholars also tell us that if you were coming from afar because of the sun hitting the white marble, you would think it was covered in snow. I mean, so this was some huge, monumental, massive stones that scholars say were probably 50 feet wide. Get that image in your mind, that's a big stone. And 25 feet tall. Huge, huge, huge. So it's understandable that these disciples are kind of being marveled when they're, when they're thinking about the temple and how beautiful it is. But then Jesus interrupts their, uh, their thought there and they're acting like tourists. And he says to them, oh, this, this temple, verse 2, these great buildings, not one shall be left upon another. Not one stone will be left upon another. It all is going to be torn down. See, for many people in that day, Many Jews of that day, the temple had become an idol. And it's, it subtly began to mean more to people than their relationship with God. It's interesting that we find ourselves in a pandemic that I've mentioned over the course of these last six to eight weeks. The church has left the building because it's forced us outside the building. And I'm grateful again for our facilities. But this is not the church. We are the church. And so people in that day... Uh, sometimes, by the way, God sours even the good things. If we allow them to become idols into our lives, our spouses, our kids, our families, our jobs, all those are good things that can become idols. And sometimes God has to remove those temporarily or maybe even permanently to remind us there's only one person worthy of our worship. And so Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples Little did they know, by the way, that when Jesus said to them, hey, one day's coming where not a stone will be overturned, all this is going to be torn down. Little did they know, Jesus was prophetically speaking, that in about, uh, about 40 years after Jesus says this, the Romans would come in and t- attack and crush the Jews and they would level the temple. But Jesus wants to continue this conversation with, him, with them. And so they're sitting opposite of where the temple would be on the Mount of Olives, Peter and James, verse 3, and John and Andrew, they start questioning Jesus when he says this. And here's what they say. Tell us, when are these things going to happen? And what will be the signs when all these things are going to be fulfilled? Let's stop for a minute. Jesus is going to have an important conversation with them. And these guys are so distracted by the temple, he's having to rein them in. The first thing that we need to realize this morning as we think about end times is we need to be prepared for distractions. Be prepared for distractions. Is it obvious or what? I mean, if you turn on the news, I don't recommend that, but if you turn on the news, there are things happening all in our world that can be distractions. They can keep our focus as believers, in the wrong direction. I I thought about what are some of the distractions in the world. I like to ask questions when I read Scripture. What are some of the distractions? Well, there are a lot of them going on right now. I don't have to tell you right now. You just, again, you look at your social media feed or you look at the, the news and there are a lot of other things going on in our world. What are some distractions, not just in the world, but let's bring it home a little bit. What are some distractions in the church? 
I am thankful for you, Crossroads family, because I hear very few distractions. I have talked to a lot of other pastor friends over these last eight weeks, and you would be surprised at some of the nitpicking things that children of God are talking about these eight weeks. It's like, hello, how in the world can you get your attention on something so minor when the world seems to be going south in a handbasket? And you call yourself a child of God. But friends, we've got to be careful. Because the enemy is very subtle and can cause us to get our eyes on things that are happening in the world that maybe are secondary or third or fourth or fifth in priority outside of being focused on Jesus Christ. We can easily get distracted. We can have that wonderful gift that I sometimes wrestle with called A-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D. So we've got to be careful. You know, there, there are many times my wife puts up with me and, and your wife puts up with you. And we'll be sitting there, I'll be sitting there watching TV and I'll be in the zone of whatever it is, sports, game, movie, whatever, news. Whatever. I'm watching and she's talking and it's, it's like, I kind of hear it, but it's kind of like the Charlie Brown school teacher. Wah, 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 and I'm zoomed in and finally it's not until she comes over, you know, or, t- or turns the TV off. Usually and I go, what happened, what happened? She gets my attention. Jesus, I think, I might even could say I know, but that would be pretty bold. But I'm pretty sure that the last six, seven, eight weeks are not just because. God has a purpose. Maybe he's trying to get our attention because we have a lot of distractions. You know, spiritual blindness starts by being distracted. That's the first step to spiritual blindness is we've got to be distracted. And so these disciples ask a good question, okay, God, Jesus, you talk about this temple, when is this going to happen? When is it going to be destroyed? What are going to be the signs of the end times? What's going to happen? And so Jesus answers, it's interesting, sometimes when we're not even paying attention to Jesus, and we ask a question from out of left field, Jesus in his love for us, because okay, well if that's where you want to go, I'll come over here and answer your question. It reminds me like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus is having a conversation with her about what's going on and ask her about where her husband is. And the next thing you know, she starts talking about, well, my father's worshipped on this mountain. And Jesus kind of thought, thinks, well, if you want to talk about worship, okay, that's where we'll go. He's a loving God. He's a loving Lord. And so he begins to answer their question. Verse 5, Jesus says, See to it that no one misleads you. Because when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be frightened. These things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These things are merely the beginnings of... A birth pangs, verse 9, but be on your guard for they'll deliver you to the courts. They'll flog you in the synagogues. You'll stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you and deliver you up, don't be anxious beforehand about what you're to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother to death. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents. Boy, that's been happening forever. And 
have them put to death, that part maybe not. And you'll be hated by all on account of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. What is Jesus saying to the disciples? Watch out for distractions. But the second thing he says there in verse 4, verse 4, verse 5, is be careful that you are not deceived. Be prepared for deception. I asked a friend of mine a few weeks ago, how do you know that you are being deceived? You don't. That's why it's called deception. You don't. How do you prevent yourself from being deceived? You see, there's a progression here. I think Jesus is trying to get the disciples to recognize. And the first step to spiritual blindness, the spiritual the, this first step of not recognizing what God is doing is we're distracted. We're distracted with all these things that seem important, but they, and they may be important, but they're not most important. And they become distractions. And after we're distracted, that's when we can be deceived. One of my favorite shows that Lynette and I watch from time to time is America's Got Talent. And sometimes they have some things on there, and sometimes, you know, people come out and they bring their gerbil and they try to get their gerbil to do tricks, and it's like, okay, change the channel. I'm not interested in seeing a gerbil do somersaults. That's, that's not me. But occasionally, they'll have some, some, some pretty awesome stuff happen. And I remember several months ago watching, and they had a magician come out. And I mean, the camera is zoomed in on this guy's hands with cards. And I'm watching, and through the wonderful technology that we have now, you know, you can pause, and you can rewind frame by frame. And I'm trying to see, how in the world did he do that trick? And most magicians and illusionists will tell you this. The way they get you to believe the trick and the way that they deceive you is they distract you. So all the action may be happening here, but the distraction is over here. And you're looking over here. And meanwhile, they're moving cards around and they're letting them you know, come out of the sleeve of their co- or whatever they're doing. They're so, they practice so much. Church, can I just encourage you, please be careful. Because the world will distract us in its attempt to take us to the next step, and that is to deceive us. To believe things that aren't true. If we've ever lived in a day and age where people, children of God, are believing things that aren't true, it's this week. Just because something looks like a horse, and talks like a horse, and acts like a horse, unfortunately in this day and age, doesn't mean that it's a horse, or a dog, or whatever animal you like for the illustration. So we have to be very careful. So for you and I not to be deceived, you may say, well, then how how do we get out of this deception? You know how? You need an outside force. I need an outside force to recognize I'm being deceived. Many times that outside force, if I can say it that way, is actually an inside force. It's called the Holy Spirit. But sometimes, even as a child of God, you know what? I need somebody from the outside, which thank God I have some friends, one of those friends is here today, who can get in my face and say, hey, what are you doing? Hello? And if you and I do not have people in our lives like that, we're in trouble. You better find some people who can be honest with you. I'm grateful that there are men and women in this church who, since I've been here in October, occasionally come up and say, hey, just here's my thoughts on this. I'm thankful. By the way, I have an open door. I don't know everything. I'm going to make mistakes. And so some of you that are wiser, we talked about this last week, have the freedom. I'm giving it to you. If you didn't think you have it, you have it. 
By the way, you have it already, whether I give it to you or not, as a child of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the way God intended for us to relate to one another, is to help each other and hold each other accountable. It's called the power of community. And that's what helped Jesus get through even. So we've got to be very careful that we're not deceived. That's why community and accountability and friendship is so important. And so Jesus begins to describe to them all the ways that people are going to try to deceive them. It's actually going to, the deception is going to turn brother against brother and child against parent and parent against child because the deception is going to look so intense and it's going to be hard to discern, which is a spiritual word, to discern what is true and what is false, what is right and what is wrong. There's ever been a day where discernment is needed. It's now. So we've got to be prepared for deception. But then Jesus goes on in verse 14. He says, when you see, here's your first, here's your first sign, he says to the disciples, when you see the abomination of desolation, we're going to talk about that, standing where it should not be, let the reader understand and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains and let him who is on the housetop not go down or enter in to get anything out of his house and let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak but woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days but pray that it may not happen in the winter for those days will be a time of tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the creation which God created until now and never shall. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. What's Jesus talking about? Wow, that sounds like not such good news. He's talking about for us as children of God to be prepared for distress. We live in distressed times. I don't have to tell you that. We live in distressed times. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, this is one of the signs there's going to be distress. And he even mentions in verse 14, when you see the abomination of desolation. Now, I am not a prophetic scholar about end times. I wish I knew more. But here's what I do know. He's talking about what Daniel talks about, which is a great book I recommend you read. I think it's Daniel chapter 11 where Daniel actually refers to this. And what he's talking about is when the temple is so desecrated, that's the beginning of the end, the abomination of desolation. Now, i got to be honest, I had to do a little bit of research, because the reality is, before the temple was totally destroyed, as Jesus prophesied and predicted right there with the disciples, 40 years after this conversation, the temple had been desecrated before, with other kings who would try to come and overflow the temple. And some of those kings, according to people who didn't even record in the Bible, historians that have recorded this for us, there were kings who would make images of them and they would put them on the temple and desecrate the temple. I can't imagine. I mean, that is, that is wicked. That would be as if we put something in here on the platform this morning. This is a sanctuary because God's people here. That's why this is a sanctuary today. But if we put something up here that was ungodly or, or satanic or unholy, most of us would, we wouldn't come in here or we would do our best, our dead level best to make sure it got taken care of and got, somebody got rid of it. But to think that this happened in the Jewish culture, at least a couple of times that I could find, there wasn't as much of a revolt as you would expect. What does that tell me? It's amazing how distraction and deception kindly just get used. Oh, that's just the way the world is. People, they're going to do that. 
that's evil. They're going to do that. And the reality is, we just sung about it. All of our songs this morning, we're talking about the king is coming. How do I know the king is coming? Because one of the marks of the end times is the abomination of desolation. The desecration of the temple. Now you're going, well, wait a minute, there is no temple. No, there's not a temple. And we also know that just until just a few years ago, in some of your lifetimes, the nation of Israel has kind of come back together as a nation. But you know what's happening right now? Arabs and Jews are debating about where they're going to put the temple. The king is coming. Hello? The king is coming. The signs of the times are moving in the direction where we know the king is coming. Jews and Arabs arguing about where this rebuilt temple is going to stand. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So Jesus is saying, these distressed times are coming. Prepare yourself for the distressed times. And in a sense, you may even could use the word persecution. Prepare yourself for persecution. Some of us in North America, America in general, United States of America, sometimes think us as believers, sometimes think persecution means we got out of the car on Sunday and we walked in the rain from the car to the sanctuary. And that's distress and persecution. Our man, I sat through that service and it was 77 degrees in there and I was hoping for 75. And then you see some of the places in the world like Zach was describing and you're like, wham, wham, we need a wambulance because we're just wham, wham, wham. We sound like a little bunch of baby Christians. I want to just tell you, I looked up some statistics to share with you this morning. Because if you think... You're enduring persecution in America as a believer. And it's coming. I, I, I'll agree. It, it's, I believe it's coming. Persecution around the world for being a follower of Jesus has been around for a long, long time. We've just been oblivious to it. If you come from an Orthodox Jewish family in that area of the world, they would consider you a blasphemer and account you as dead if you decided to follow Jesus. If you come from a strict Muslim family, you will be rejected by your family and literally you will be killed for choosing Jesus. If you come from a Hindu family in India, you will be rejected and martyred for choosing Jesus. In China, if you're allowed to practice Christianity, and by the way, they they allow it in the state-sponsored church. If you practice Christianity the way they interpret you should practice Christianity, then your church could be destroyed. And if you're wondering how many, since the year 2000, 1,500 Christian churches in China have been destroyed. Bulldozed. Because they don't want people to have the freedom to worship Jesus unless it's the Jesus that the country sanctions. In Sudan, you can be killed or literally enslaved by a Muslim army. In Indonesia, you might be given a choice by Muslims. Here's your choice. Convert to Islam or die. In Pakistan, you might be jailed by Muslim government officials. Some missions organizations on the planet have put out some statistics, and many of them say this, that last year, 2019, was a record year for martyrs, one of the bloodiest on record of Christians in history, which culminated in the attacks of three churches in Sri Lanka that cost 250 people their lives. What's your problem? What's my problem? And I complain because I don't have enough translations or copies in my 14, 15 copies of God's Word. I need another one. Or the temperature's not right when I worship. Or i got to walk in the rain to get into fellowship with believers. Or my life of fellowship has been temporarily changed because of a virus. 
you know, I, I know men and women that the virus is real. We're encouraging you to be safe and to practice. But can I tell you, every year for the last decade, over 100,000 people have been martyred for Jesus Christ and nobody has said boo. Distractions. Deception. We've got to be careful. Jesus is trying to get their attention and trying to explain this to him. He says, this distress is coming. He goes on in verse 21, he said, If anyone says to you, behold, here's the Christ, or behold, he's here, don't believe him. For false Christ and false prophets are going to rise, and they're going to show signs and wonders if possible. Hello, they're going to be able to show signs and wonders and not be the true Christ. But take heed, he says in verse 23, Behold, I've told you everything in advance. So what do we do, children of God? What do we do? Well, we've got to be prepared for the day. Because the day is coming. We have to be prepared for the day. The king is coming soon and very soon. I know on this side of history, we look back at almost 2,000 years and, and we're going, well, is Jesus really coming back? Because it's been a couple thousand years. Is, is, is he really coming back? I was telling a group of students this week, I had the privilege to be in Georgia for one of the few camps, I guess, is still happening with about 120 students on Thursday night. And about 12 of them gave their hearts to the Lord and, and received Christ. It was wonderful. But I was telling them, because it's very easy, especially for us as younger people. I said us. Did you, you catch that? Us. Uh. It's very easy for us to doubt that Jesus is coming back because it's been a couple thousand years. But for somebody, their tomorrow is going to be the day the sky splits and Jesus Christ comes back. I don't know who it's going to be, but that somebody's tomorrow is going to be when Jesus returns. I hope it's mine. What if it was tomorrow? Are you ready? Jesus tells the disciples, here's how you can be ready. He says, in these days, verse 24... After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Listen to this description. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. Now learn the parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves. You'll know summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize he's near right at the door. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. Love this, but my words will not pass away. Of that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Even though people keep putting out books telling us that in 1984, Jesus is coming back. In May 2020, Jesus is coming back. Well, we missed that one. We missed that one. People try to predict, and Jesus is saying, nobody knows. So if anybody tells you they know, you'll know they are not a true follower of Christ. They are a false prophet because Jesus says in verse 33, Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time is. It's like a man who went away on a journey 
And upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, he assigned to each one his task and commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether it's in the evening or at midnight or cock crowing or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. So question for us, brothers and sisters, are we ready? Are we ready? The birth pangs are happening. The end time signs are there. When is it going to happen? Pastor Jack, is it going to happen next week? Yeah, I don't know. Next month, I don't know. Tomorrow, this afternoon, maybe at 10 a.m. today. Are you ready? Say, how do I get ready? Let me give you five quick things if you want to jot these down. These are just suggestions for you to get ready. Number one, make sure you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you don't, this morning, when we dismiss, I'll be hanging around. And Heath, Joey, some of our team, maybe a friend that you came with today, would love to tell you how simple, really, it is to have that relationship. It's confessing your sins, admitting that you're a sinner, believing in your heart that Jesus The Jesus we're reading about this morning gave his life for you, sacrificed his life on a cross, and is coming back as he was telling the disciples, the end times I'll come back, the Son of Man will return. Number two, we should be urgently sharing the gospel. If you and I really believe that the end was near, we'd be sharing the gospel. Now, we all share it different ways. We all have different personalities. The way I share the gospel may not be the way that that you share the gospel. And primarily, I believe in our age in which we live, it's through relationship. Coming up to somebody, hitting them over the head with a Bible, saying, turn or burn, fry or die, microwave or get saved, those don't work. Okay? They don't. But it's through relationship. But some of us have used the excuse, well, that's really not my gift to share my faith. You need to check your heart and see if you're a child of God, because that's not an option if you're a child of God. Matter of fact, it's called the Great Commission. God has commissioned us, that is our responsibility, through our personality and our giftedness, yes. But be urgently sharing. Number three, we should be holding our hands loosely, because this world is not our home. He gives and takes away. We should hold our hand loosely and let God put in our hands what he wants and take out what he wants. Number four, be aware. Jesus said that several times to the disciples. Be aware, be alert, be ready, be aware. And the last thing that he told us, number five, is everything you see is going to pass away, but the word will never pass away. My words will never pass away. You and I need to know this book inside out. I wish I knew it better. Inside out, front to back. Because that's how we'll not be deceived. That's how we'll not be distracted. But if I know the sports scores, or if I know how to get from level 5 to level 105 on a video game better than I know God's Word, shame on me got to get into this book. Would you pray with me? As we wrap up this morning, I don't know what God has said to your heart. And if you're there watching our live stream, there'll be a link that you can click if you'd like to, somebody to pray with you in a 
Zoom connection, or if you even want to type your prayer out or just say, hey, somebody get in touch with me, we'll be happy to do that. But for those of you here this morning, are you ready? Are you ready? You look at what's going on in our world, and it seems to me we are in those end times. When's the Lord coming back? I don't know. But I want to be ready. Do you feel distracted? Maybe your prayer this morning just needs to be, God, would you just help me? Our Bible school theme this week, would you just help me focus on you? Maybe the enemy has taken you from distraction to deception. And in the quietness of this moment right there where you're seated, you just may need to say, God, forgive me, I've been deceived. Would you help me, Lord, during these days of distress to be prepared for the day of your return? Father, I thank you so much for these friends. I thank you for the gift of our church here at Crossroads. I pray, Lord, for our families, especially those with kids, that during this time are able to be in this service with us, God. Be with parents, be with grandparents, be with us as adults and young people, Lord. Keep our eyes focused on you that we would not be distracted or deceived but we would prepare our hearts believing that you are going to return. Give us the boldness that we need to share Christ with our neighbor, our friend, our relative, our co-worker. Don't allow these days, these weeks, where you're trying to perhaps get our attention to pass by and us miss the opportunity. So thank you for your love for us. We uh, just confess to you, Lord, our need for you today. Say that we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our uh, staff will be around if you need to talk to somebody this morning. Please grab us. Uh, as you know, we're doing our best to keep up with the changing, changing rules and regulations. And so, as hard as it is, uh, I'm going to ask you to, when I kind of say you're free to go, to quickly be like Elvis and leave the building. All right? I hate doing that. I do. But I don't want any of our folks getting sick. Uh, and, that, and if somebody does, then as you know, with our wonderful media-driven world, we'll have every news crew in the parking lot this week, you know, saying, guess what happened at Crossroads? And I like publicity, but not that kind. So if you can help us, that would be wonderful. If you get, came in early and you missed the bands, if you want to grab one on the way out, uh, green means I'm good. I think go if you're driving. That means I'm okay with the shakes and the hugs. Yellow means, you know, maybe you can do an elbow, but I'm being cautious. Red means I love you, but stay out of my face. All right? It's my paraphrase. So uh, get one of those on the way out. I know we have a couple Sunday school classes that are meeting on, uh, after the service, which is another reason for us to kind of scoot out. Uh, somebody asked me about offering our offering box. I think it's back here, so you can, you can do that. And uh, don't forget today, 2 o'clock, Celia Ford's Celebration of Life service, I call it. And, uh, and then at 4, between 4 and 5.30, you can drop in to Honor Dave, all right? How you doing? All right. Love you all. Miss you very much. Hang in there. I know we've said it, and you're believe it, trying to believe it. I'm, I'm trying to believe it, too. We are going to get to the other side. 
the Jordan River's a little wider maybe than what we thought. Yes, next Sunday. Thank you, Joey. Next Sunday, uh, we are going to move up to the sanctuary. And the reason for that, you should have gotten a letter this week from the church. If you didn't, let us know. We may have an incorrect address. We will be moving up to the sanctuary because our weekday program is going to be uh, doing their summer camps. And the only way for them to do it is social distanced. And so we've already thought through a plan in the sanctuary how we can simulate what we've done down here. And uh, so you'll notice that next Sunday. That is the uh, July 4th weekend. I know some of you will be gone, but if you're here, please come join us. Same time, 9 o'clock. And the next Saturday, fireworks. Fireworks. So come out and join us, all right? Bless you. Have a good afternoon. If you will head out quickly, we would appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning.